Hello, heathens. I'm Megan Angus, and this is Spinning the Wheel Podcast. In this weekly audio ritual, we explore the eight seasons of the witch's wheel of the year, and we discover how it is so much more than eight sabbats. We weirding witches time travel through holy days, festivals, and celestial events connecting our celebrations and magic to the past, present, and future. Our cackling fills the night as we take our turn gathering the wool, wielding the distaff, and spinning the wheel. Hello, heathens, and welcome back to Spinning the Wheel podcast with me, your Typhonic host, Megan Angus. <laughs> we'll get a little further into that uh, later in the broadcast. I don't know whose uh, idea it was to try to have a weekly podcast during a Mercury retrograde, but they should be fired. <laughs> Wait, it was me. <laughs> genius all right so moving on <laughs> how is the clip season hitting for everybody doing all right out there is everybody okay <laughs> are you laughing and crying at the same time most days yeah it, yeah it's uh you know i'm here with you i'm experiencing the astrology with you all hence why the podcast is a little late this week <laughs> ah, okay so if it's your first time here, hi, welcome. I'm a professional. I really do honestly know what I'm doing. <laughs> My name is Megan Angus and I am a witch. And, uh, you know, these things are not linear. Okay, look, <laughs> there's a method. There's no method. That's a huge lie. I, I desperately need an adult to intervene, <laughs> as I'm sure you all do as well. Okay, um, before we get into the stuff, uh, this is Spinning the Wheel podcast. And on this podcast, which is weekly-ish, uh, mostly, mostly weekly, uh, we talk about the astrology, the astronomy, the holy days uh, that are uh, congruent with the pagan slash heathen slash witchy practice of the wheel of the year uh if you are not familiar with the wheel of the year or you are just becoming familiar with it the wheel of the year is a phrase uh to describe the eight major holidays that pagans and witches celebrate no it is not universal uh everybody has their own take on it there are certain holidays that some groups celebrate that others don't uh some have less uh, some really genuinely have even more than eight. So it's kind of all over the board. Um, and here on this podcast, uh, what I like to talk about are the pagan Sabbaths, uh, but also where those Sabbaths link up with all the other stuff that's happening around the planet, past and present and future, uh, <laughs> as well as talking about the astronomy and the astrology and how interesting all those coincidences are that <laughs> all of that stuff seems to line up. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's a lot of what we talk about here. Uh, there will be some cursing, generally speaking, and, and a leftist rant somewhere embedded in this. So there you go. Okay. Uh, before we get into this week's material, let me say this. Thank you so much to my patrons. 
Uh, it is because of your monthly financial insistence that this podcast even occurs. So thank you so much for that. Uh, if you love this podcast and you'd like to support it, you can always join my Patreon. Starts at a dollar. Everybody gets discount codes and behind the scenes access to stuff. Folks that are subscribed at the Mercury level and higher, $5 a month and higher, uh, get access to the notes for my podcast, which have charts for the moons and some extra images and links to our holy days that we are celebrating that week, um, etc., etc. So many, many thanks to my patrons, folks that subscribe at the $9 and higher, the Venus level and higher, get access to the workbooks and the calendar for each Sabbath and lots of other stuff, playlists, digital spells, and things like that. And folks that are subscribed at the sun level and higher, that's $23 a month and higher, uh, get readings with me twice a year. Folks that are subscribed at the Jupiter level, the Saturn level, and the Pluto level get readings with me every month. So thank you so much to the folks who subscribe and support this work and make it possible for me to do this as a job which is ridiculous. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Slash, this is your fault. As I often say, <laughs> you did this. <laughs> so thank you. Um, and on the note of readings with me, uh, May is going to be my last month of taking new clients for a minute, not, you know, whatever. Uh, there's still time. There's still room in May for new clients. Um, after that, I'm only going to be seeing patrons, um, patron. There's room still for patrons too in the month of May, but June, uh, I'm going to be taking a little bit of time off and I probably will only have room to see patrons slash become a patron and be able to get on the Patreon calendar. So there's that. <laughs> um, and speaking of patrons, uh, which I often am, um, our next tarot circle is going to be May 17th. Tarot circle is a monthly, mostly <laughs> community building event uh, that we do. This is me saying thanks to my patrons. It's free for everyone who is a patron. And it's an hour and a half to two hour workshop on something tarot related, usually. Uh, though that may change as the year goes along, we might be doing some more witchcraft stuff uh, and discussions around spellcrafting and things like that. But for now, uh, it's still tarot. Um, and I don't know what I'm doing this month. Maybe a workshop on the Hierophant card? I don't think I've actually done a workshop on the Hierophant card. Um, and, uh, you know, he's everybody's favorite guy to hate, right? So uh, maybe connected to Taurus, which is why I would want to do it. But uh, our next class is going to be May 17th, which is pretty late into Taurus season. So I might change my mind. We'll all find out together, I guess, is how that's going to roll out. <laughs> um, our next Wheel of the Year class is going to be in June. Um, and I will also be presenting um, a workshop connected to that Sabbath, which is Litha. That's Midsummer or summer solstice at uh, the music festival, Midsummer Cascadia. I do believe there are still tickets left for this music festival. Uh, it's a bunch of pagans and goths and metalheads and, and folk weirdos that go out in the woods with banjos and cellos and half stack, Marshall half stacks and just raise hell. It's pretty fantastic. Um, 
check that out if that's of interest to you and you're up here in the Pacific Northwest and want to join us for some debauchery in the woods under the never setting sun of the Pacific Northwest. Um, <clears throat> anything else? What else do I need to say? I think that's it. I think that's all the stuff. Uh, sign up if you want a reading soon because I'm going to be shutting down the calendar soon. Uh, Terror Circle, my 17th. Next Wheel of the Year class is June. Midsummer Cascadia tickets, I believe, are still on sale uh okay let's get into the actual podcast of this week all right so this week we are looking at beltane season full blood flower eclipse moon lunar week six i think <laughs> i think it's lunar week six um okay so the eclipse by this point has already passed. So I am not going to spend a ton of time talking about it, but I am going to spend a little time talking about it because uh, this full moon slash eclipse was quite, quite spicy for a lot of folks. Um, and uh, generally speaking, in the world of astrology, eclipses are thought to be kind of like a gateway or an event marker that sort of kicks off a process that's going to take about six months to play out. So we want to have a level of understanding of what this eclipse is referring to and what this full moon is pointing at in our lives and, and you know, encouraging us to discuss or work on so that we have a sense of that stuff as it might come up for us over the next six months and come to some type of culmination or resolution uh, six months from now. So what do we have? Okay, Friday, May 5th, 2023, 10.34 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later in the day for everybody else around the planet, we had the Blood Flower Full Moon Lunar Eclipse at 14 degrees of Scorpio. This was in opposition to the sun, as every full moon is but also in opposition to Uranus at 18 degrees of Taurus and Mercury at 14 degrees of Taurus. So right here embedded in all of this stuff is something about an opposition to the sense of self, that's the sun, something that, that has an urge to be shocking slash destabilizing slash rebellious uh, slash breaking through with Uranus and something that wants to communicate data, that seeks information, that wants to communicate information, that wants to have word and mind connect in some way with Taurus, or excuse me, with Mercury. And all of this is happening within the signs of Taurus and Scorpio. And the tension or the argument between Taurus and Scorpio can feel like it is a life and death argument, even when it is totally not. It can bring up stuff for us on a personal level that's very activating or triggering for us in those realms of our lives, our, our psyches or whatever, that is like, oh my God, I'm having a life or death response to this thing. Um, and so in that, this... Uh, this full moon might be very personal for every everybody that is affected by it intensely. And not every person is going to be affected by it personally intensely. Um, but for those who are, it might be very different from one person to the next 
in terms of the event or the subject matter. Um, but the result of it might be very much like, oh my God, I'm, I'm flipping out. I'm having a very visceral reaction to this thing. Um, where the subject matter it might be similar is in areas around resources. Taurus wants to talk about the resources that I personally need to live. And Scorpio wants to talk about the resources that we collectively need to live. And that's part of why our, our gut reaction to Taurus and Scorpio stuff oftentimes is like, oh my gosh, it's life or death, guys. Oh. Um, because it's talking about resources that we need to live. Um, but we, we want to remember that sometimes astrology is something that's very straightforward and it's like, wow, that's really obvious, um, and very plain and very, very like one-to-one -one correlation here. And sometimes astrology is pointing to things that are a bit more abstract, right? So this might not literally be, you know, the water is shut off in your building. Although of course, <laughs> with, with the many adventures of the apartment building that I live in, did we have an event? on this Scorpio <laughs> eclipse. Of course, of course we did. The hot water shut off. The heat shut off again. <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? They're both back on now. So, you know, it is what it is. But this is our fixed water of fixed earth element, right? This is fixed water Scorpio of fixed earth Taurus. So what are you going to do? Okay. Um, and, and these, these planets, Uranus and Mercury are, are in opposition to the moon, right? So the moon has its emotional experience. And then there's all this stuff in the sky. That's like, no, 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 the opposite is true. Or the opposite is what is going to be told, or the opposite is what's going to be empowered, uh, whether they deserve to be or not. So, um, knowing though, uh, that the, these are our descriptor words that we're working with. We kind of want to have that framework tucked away in the back of our mind as we're working on stuff over the next six months. Does it relate back to this thing? And I'm going to kind of pull out to the, the bigger scope of things in general, because, uh, in the last couple of weeks, we haven't had a weekly podcast. We've had our, uh, wheel of the year class. But I wasn't able to get into the granulars and the, the nitty gritty particulars of some of our astrology that we've had in the last couple of weeks. And I just want to mention that on May 1st, on Beltane, right? So within the, the spiritual structure, within the holy day structure, we're also having astro astrological events. On that day, we had uh, Pluto station retrograde at zero degrees of Aquarius. And on the same day, we had the sun conjunct uh, Mercury, who is in retrograde or who is retrograde right now, both in Taurus at 11 degrees. Um, and, and so we, we want to remember that for the entirety of this month and even into next ish, next month, really not even ish, but really the entirety of this month, basically the entirety of next month, Pluto is hanging out at zero degrees. Also retrograde, Pluto spends half the year retrograde. So I don't really care about that part, but is at zero degrees of Aquarius. And so every time something passes over zero degrees of one of the fixed signs, it's either in opposition, in conjunction, or squaring Pluto 
at zero degrees of Aquarius. And it, so I said this in class, it's almost like all the planets have to like pay a toll to, to go across the drawbridge of Pluto, right? It's like standing at this gateway or at this threshold and like taking a ticket from every planet. Like, do you have two tickets, please? You know, that kind of a thing, right? And that's, that's a spooky character to have doing that, right? That's a spooky character. There's a heaviness about that. There's a like, there's a somber, often a word I connect more with Saturn, there's a gravitas maybe is a word that we can put here. Um, there's an intensity. Um, there's a mystery about it, right? There's a shadowy element about it. Um, to have Pluto there at the gate, sort of checking every planet as they enter. You know, I've, I've heard a couple of astrologers say like, oh, Pluto has the blueprint. And so Pluto is just making sure that all the planets are in alignment with the blueprint. Like, well, that's kind of cool, but has anybody ever worn braces? Those things fucking suck, right? So that that sounds nice, but having someone check me against their blueprint might be really uncomfortable for me, the individual. I don't know if that's fun or if I like it, right? Uh, but, and we want to remember that Pluto represents the deepest levels of our healing practices and the healing work that we need to do and are doing. And so just because we don't understand the moves on the surface of what Pluto is representing doesn't mean that those moves aren't doing what we need to be doing deep down at the core of things. So this can, so this could be a, a, a kickoff of that kind of a process. It's spooky. It feels heavy. Uh, it feels weighted. It feels um, dangerous a little bit. Uh, and at the same time, it's like, but down there at the root of all of this, I know something really powerful and, and healthy or healing is happening for me there. Can I just hang out with all of the ook that's coming up to the surface with that work? <laughs> um, okay. So Again, I don't want to talk too much about just this, this eclipse itself and just this full moon. As I said, I want you to remember that all month long, we've got Pluto hanging out at zero, zero degrees. And so like everybody's kind of having to pass through the gate of that. We have Mercury in retrograde through half of this month, or Mercury is retrograde through half of this month. And then the rest of the month, Mercury will be dealing with the, the shadow of the retrograde. So that's all kind of in the mix of what's going on for May. Um, and then we have our daily transits, right? So just kind of giving you a little bit of a context because we haven't had a chance to talk about it previously. So then we have this eclipse, which in a way kind of crystallizes some of this stuff. It, 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 it brings things to the surface on a full moon. The fruit appears on the full moon. It's like, aha, oh, the spotlight has come on. And now we see some element of, of the situation pretty clearly. Um, this is not a, a great moon for magical practice uh, at all. <laughs> We've talked about this on previous podcasts. You know how I feel about doing magic on an eclipse. Generally speaking, I err on the side of nah. I err on the side of nah, they could wait a week. You know, <laughs> it's fine. I'll do it in a few days. I'll do it in a week. It doesn't have to happen right now. There are exceptions to that rule, but they are few and far between. Um, and this eclipse window, the last eclipse that we had two weeks ago with the new moon and now this one with the full moon, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the 
astrological weather. Uh, and I just don't think that it is conducive to doing whatever kind of work you might be doing with a full moon or a new moon, spellcrafting wise, ritual wise, etc. That and also this moon being in Scorpio is ruled by Mars, uh, which is in Cancer in its fall, just like the new moon was in Aries and ruled by Mars, which is in Cancer in its fall. You could argue, oh, wait, Scorpio, the new planetary ruler is Pluto. Okay, Pluto literally stationing retrograde four days before the eclipse at zero degrees of Aquarius, still also not exactly in its power spot and not exactly, you know, positioned correctly. Uh, generally speaking, I just think it's a little too spicy, a little too funky, a little too weird, and a little too emo. It's like a little too emotional to be able to stay in control of ourselves or stay unbiased when stuff comes up, blah, 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 as we need to do when we're doing magical practices. So, okay. Um, by the time that you all are hearing this, we have moved on to... Uh, the moon being in Sagittarius. So I'm not even going to talk about moon in Scorpio, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But the chart is there for anybody who would like to look at it um, on Patreon. We have our holy days as well. I'm just going to scooch through them really quickly. I'm not going to talk about them. Um, our holy days for May 5th. Well, this one I will talk about. We have Solar Beltane, which is 15 degrees of Taurus. Now, May 5th, May 6th um, are dates that we will find as alternative Beltanes. So no matter what, we have a spicy Beltane season <laughs> like this year. Just, okay. Um, and uh, the reason for that is be for a variety of reasons, because calendars slide against each other, <laughs> um, because the uh, 15 degrees of Taurus would have been the 15th day of that, the month at some point, or the 15th day of the sun being in a sign, but it marks the individual, or it marks the, the halfway point between spring equinox and summer solstice. Um and this is true of all the greater Sabbaths or the cross-quarter holidays is what they are also called, which are Imbolc, Beltane, Lunasa, and Samhain. Uh, they all fall at 15 degrees of the sign that they are connected to. Beltane, of course, is deeply connected to Taurus. And so one of the old dates for Beltane, May 5th, May 6th, is currently lined up with 15 degrees of Taurus. The calendar of May 5th, May 6th may hold still, it may move, it may be accurate, it may not be accurate, but we can always look at when is the sun at 15 degrees of that constellation, that's Beltane. Um, so there's that. Timekeeping devices on timekeeping devices. <laughs> Welcome to uh, spinning the wheel. <laughs> also on the, this day, we have Vesak, which is the birth of Buddha. This is also celebrated later in the week. Um, this is celebrated by Buddhists around the world and a lot of folks in Tibet and Nepal. And then the birthday of Buddha that we have later in the week is celebrated in China. On this day, we also have from our Roman friends and ancestors, Mercuralia. So yes, a festival dedicated to Mercury on this week where we have 
you know, May 1st, we had the sun conjunct or Mercury retrograde conjunct the sun in Taurus. Um, we have Mercury stationing direct next week, et cetera, et cetera. So yes, right in the heart of our Mercury retrograde, we have Mercuralia. Uh, also in this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have a festival day dedicated to Maya and Mercury. Maya being the goddess that the month of May is named after. And of course, she being a floral goddess, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and all of the other stuff that we deal with in May. Uh, from our English friends and ancestors, we have the Helston Furry Dance slash Flora Day. This is another like very Beltane-esque. People dress up in costumes. They go play. Flowers are a huge deal. Um, and we will see that with the Holy Days throughout this week. Um, there's kind of a, a scattering of energy starting with this, which also is very much in alignment with where we're headed astrologically, which I'll talk about in just a second. Um, so on the surface, it'll kind of feel like, wow, these holy days kind of don't have anything to do with each other. They're all over the board, but threaded through them, we see, um, we'll start to see some synchronicities. And then also we're still seeing lots and lots of festivals dedicated to flowers and earth goddesses that are blooming, um, goddesses that oversee the blooming of things and the, and, and flowers on things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from our, uh, Shinto and Japanese friends and ancestors, we have Koinobori, and this means carp streamer, C-A-R-P, carp streamer in Japan. Uh, they refer to carp-shaped windsocks. Um, and so this is, uh, something that you have probably seen in your town if you have a good sushi restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> or a really cool like Japanese cultural center, they will fly these carp flags. Um, they're windsocks and they're shaped like carp fish. And it's connected to um, a holiday called Tango no Seku, which is a traditional event now designated as Children's Day. Um, and it's a part of a larger complex of festivals called Golden Week, which is always happening at the beginning of May. So again, very connected to Beltane. Um, this is a huge break. Golden Week is a huge break for workers. It is um, a time when a lot of merchants shut down, which is, again, very interesting. I'm sure it's just a coincidence because that's a big part of Mercuralia is uh, this celebration of merchants and merchandising literally like, like selling things um <clears throat> so uh japanese folks are also doing that at this time of year um but these um these wind socks basically represent um energy of the of the boys in the family and this like surging coming up energy it can all they can also be uh connected to daughters in the family um but generally they're they're flown above the roofs of houses with kids regardless of gender um and uh and they really kind of represent sort of this surging energy that's coming up at this time of year with um with spring springtime goods springtime energy um that's really what's up so uh moving on to uh, also on this day from our Mexican friends and ancestors, Cinco de Mayo. Hey, hey, hey. I think we're all familiar with it. I'm just going to move on. 
Also on this day from our Norse friends and family, we have Hengist's Day. Uh, Hengist and Horse are two uh, brothers from Norse myth that I write about extensively in a piece called uh, Gemini, the Divine Twins, uh, Divine Lovers. And uh, you can read more about that on um, my website. And that brings me to something that I was going to say, which is we've got this Mercuralia stuff. We've got Hengist's Day. We've got a few other things going on here. We are going to start to see more and more stuff breaking down Taurus energy and introducing Gemini energy and Gemini symbolism. Taurus is really the energy at the, the first half of Beltane. Um, but as we approach the last four weeks of Beltane, we really start to see that symbolism and that energy break down and more and more of a, a, a replacement or a complement to that energy and symbolism coming from the Gemini world. Okay, that is everything for... <clears throat> uh, Friday, May 5th, moving on very quickly to Saturday, May 7th, um, or excuse me, Saturday, May 6th, um, we have the moon entering Sagittarius. That's it. Um, I have also started noting when the moon is void of course uh, in the notes for patrons. Um, but if that's something that you're interested in finding out for yourself, there's lots of free ephemeries online. But if you want someone to do the work for you join patreon i already did it okay uh <laughs> holy days for saturday may 6th very quickly we have hirdareles uh from our turkish friends and ancestors this is yet another very beltane-esque spring festival celebration of flowers jumping over bonfires you know the whole dressing in color for clothes the whole thing from our greek friends and ancestors we have munikia and this is a celebration of athena on the mountain of munikia uh, in the month of Munikion. Um, and it's a celebration of Athena, or excuse me, Artemis, not Athena, a celebration of Artemis as the hunter and Artemis as an expression of the moon. And that to me is very interesting because also on this day, we have the Feast of St. George from our Orthodox Christian friends. St. George, oh, not Christianity again. Yes, because uh, as I have said a million times, but of course, if you're new here, <laughs> you've only heard it five or six times. Uh, underneath every saint is a pagan god or goddess. I don't care. I said what I said. Uh, I, it's I, Prove me wrong. I'm just going to put that out there. Prove me wrong. <laughs> and you're going to go on a path to discover a new pagan god or goddess. <laughs> because it's the truth. So what's the gig with George... <laughs> why, why is everybody so excited about St. George? What's up with that? Well, if you're not familiar, St. George um, is a fancy dude um, who has a, uh, a, 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 a blah, 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 what do I want to say? He has a history around being a, a mega martyr. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a real word, and it is, which means he's like a super martyr. <laughs> I was like, that's enough. Thank you. That's ridiculous. I think just the martyring, right? Like, how do you ultra die? Like, just stop it right now. But anyways, cool, great. So he was a super martyr. Uh, and what did he do? He fought a dragon and he killed it. Okay. So on 
uh, you know, on, on our symbolism, right? On on our definitions here, we've already got a lot of stuff. Um, and <clears throat> interestingly, I think, uh, our, our first big piece of information here is the dragon that George is supposedly fighting. We know, of course, the dragon is another representation of the goddess. Dragon is Tiamat. The dragon is Typhon. Um, and this is the serpent-headed deity that holds the world in its coils um, and maintains uh, order. <clears throat> so it's super great that these guys are coming in and killing it. When we see a character like St. George depicted as St. George killing a dragon, um, they are a depiction of the patriarchy attempting to subvert or kill off or destroy or erase uh, the matrilineal cultures, goddess cultures around the world. Uh, St. George was basically the number one hero of crusaders during the crusades, if that doesn't tell you what's up with this character. Um, so did Saint, is St. George a Christian character? Absolutely not. When we dig in, we see that uh, St. George is venerated by Christians, by Catholics, by Muslims even. Um, however, um, uh, is, what is, who is St. George? What's the gig? St. George actually is a pre-Christian uh, character that exists um, within the larger world of universal archetypes that people tap into and work with. And St. George is a character that we see um, over and over and over again as a good guy, a good person, a brave person fighting off chaos, entropy, dissolution, death, um, badness, evil, whatever that means for that specific culture. Uh, we even have, and we have depictions of this character doing this thing going back millennia before St. George was ever a wink in his um, sky daddy's eye. <laughs> Might get hit by lightning for that one, but I don't really care. It was a good one. Um, we have a depiction of Horus uh, spearing Set or Apipi, um, uh, Satuk, excuse me. Um, uh, Sutek uh, is, is Set's name in this particular version of the myth, but there's a, a depiction of, and so who, what do we see? Let me, let me say this. We see a character riding a horse with some kind of a weapon, um, spearing or stabbing or otherwise wounding a dragon and the person on the horse is depicted at the top of the pick of the piece the dragon is always depicted at the bottom sometimes the horse is trampling the dragon underfoot and the especially the depictions with a sword or a spear it's going into the mouth of the dragon and for me there's all kinds of really weird and cool interesting synchronicities there <clears throat> are they actually connected? I'm not sure. Uh, it might just be me going off, right? Um, perfectly comfortable with that, honestly. <laughs> but but, um, <clears throat> but uh, to me, one of the things that I think is very interesting there is that this is a universal myth. Even with the depiction of Horus, it's Horus on a horse uh, killing Set in the form of an alligator slash 
dragon lizardish type of character. Um, but that, you know, the, the myth is older than that. We see it in Sumeria. We see it in Babylonia. We see it for further back than that. At its core, it is good triumphing over evil. It is life triumphing over death. And that is really important symbolism to tap into at this time of year. It's part of why we see Buddha's birthday at this time of year, because we have fully moved into, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, spring. It is unequivocally spring. The sky is demonstrably higher in the sky. The, sky, the sun is... Um, is demonstrably staying out longer, right? So there's there's provably longer time of daylight now than than nighttime. The temperatures are beginning to warm up. The plants are beginning to bud and bloom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So life is triumphantly coming back over death. Inarguably, it's happening. There's nothing you can do about it. And so in Christian myth and in Catholic myth and symbol the icon of St. George is literally the resurrection for them. That's, that's how that's interpreted. It's the, the triumph of Christ and his goodness and his life over the death, over death, over the, the, the spirit of death, over uh, uh, um, the devil, etc., etc. But again, we know that this is an older symbol than that. So this is a, dem a demonstration of this virile energy that is surging at this time of year. Think about it. Many of the characters of St. George are depicted with a spear. That's the energy of Ares. Um, depicted with an equal armed cross behind them. That's the sign of Earth in, in a lot of magical practices. That's Taurus. And they're riding on a horse. That's Gemini. Again, maybe I'm just making that stuff up. I'm sure it's just a coincidence, as we like to say here on the podcast. Or maybe it's not. <laughs> And it's triumphing over this character, Typhon, Tiamat, the dragon, that is actually connected to, if anybody remembers, go ahead and say it out loud with me, Pisces, which is the last astrological sign of winter. So uh, St. George is virile, it's fecund, it's, you know, in, a, in another time, in another day, right? <laughs> in another way. Um, there's something really cool happening with with St. George and whatever deities or entities or energy it initially or fundamentally is connected to. Um, ultimately, it is a spirit of order overcoming the forces of chaos, which is something that we talk about a lot as we move through the wheel. A Samhain season, late fall and winter, it ducked this season of chaos where the natural order breaks down. Uh, St. George and St. George's Day is a, a representation of the moment when the, the forces of order officially overcome the, or the, the forces of chaos. And, uh, and rightly so, of course, right? <clears throat> That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> All right, that brings us to Sunday, May 7th. Um, and the astrology of this day, Venus enters zero degrees of Cancer. So Venus is officially leaving Gemini. So you can stop with the um, texts to your ex, <laughs> or you can tell your ex to stop texting you officially. We're done. Thank you. 
We're staying hydrated, clearly. Okay. And uh, Venus is moving into Cancer. I don't have a whole lot to say about this, but I'll say this. Um, we, we collectively might experience greater sensitivity. Um, our emotions might be a little more at the forefront. Um, and remember that we also have Mars hanging out in Cancer, as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Venus joining Mars in the same sign can often help to mellow out Mars a little bit, which goddess bless Mars pretty much needs to be mellowed out 25 hours a day. So any help that we can get is, <laughs> is beneficial. So potentially Venus rolling in is like, calm down. Everything's let's just keep it cute. Relax. You know? <laughs> um, while Venus is in the sign of cancer, especially the sun being in Taurus and really to a lesser extent, um, um, Beltane season in total, fantastic time for getting massage work, fantastic time for getting body work. If that is safe and healthy for you this is a fantastic time for that. Um, so just saying, um, if you really want to like get into it, look at your natal chart, right? See where, where cancer is in your chart and know that Venus is moving through there. Venus represents our capacity to magnetize things and attract them to us. And things could be people, money, um, creative environments, um, erotic environments, sensually pleasing environments. Um, it's just our capacity to say yes to that thing, but then also get that thing to say yes to us. So whatever that stuff means for you, Venus is doing a little bit more of that. Okay. That's enough of that. There's a chart for this, uh, in the notes on Patreon, our holy day for this. I only have one on my calendar, um, comes from our Oneida friends and family, um, uh, friends and relatives and ancestors. And this is kicking off Sundance season. I um, encourage you to go and research um, what is Sundance season? What is the Sundance? What is it for? Um, and this is not an exact date. It just kicks off at some point at the beginning of May. Um, and I'm putting it here because it's relatively close to the full moon, but not on the full moon. Um, but uh, the sun dances are a beautiful, uh, cultural, I don't even know what the word is. It's more than just cultural. It's a world builder event for this uh, collective of people. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a paradigm building event for these, for these folks. It's epic. So that's really all I want to say about it on the podcast. Um, go and research it for yourself. Um, know also that some of what you might see might be a little graphic, might be a little visceral. Um, there is some body stuff that comes into play with some of the groups that observe the Sundance rituals, um, from various tribes. So just know that, but, um, generally speaking, it is a means of these groups <clears throat> to get together, to reconnect to update each other on who was born and who's died and who's gotten married and all of that good stuff. Um, it's an updating of governing process. It's an updating of, um, you know, how's everybody doing? And then it's also a means of saying thank you to the sun and thank you to the land for everything that those, um, entities provide for us. Um, all right, that's it. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about it. Moving on to, 
um, Monday, May 8th at 10, 12 PM Pacific standard time later in the day slash the next day for everybody around the planet. We have the disseminating moon in Capricorn at three degrees trine the North node in Taurus at three degrees and opposing Venus in cancer at one degree. So first off, when we get to the disseminating moon, this is our first phase after the full moon. I often will say the fruit has ripened on the full moon. The fruit appears at the disseminating moon. A few days later, the fruit ripens. And so oftentimes something is introduced, something is revealed, something comes to a culminating point, a crisis point, a, I have to be dealt with on the results point <laughs> in whatever our process is on the full moon, but we can't really do anything with it, or we can't really begin to process it or integrate it until a couple days has passed and we get to the disseminating moon. Um, I don't know. I mean, check your notes, see if that's true for you. It's something that I definitely have felt like is true for me that that whole, like waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of a vibe between the full moon and the disseminating moon. But either way, um, the disseminating moon often can begin to show the results that first appeared on the full moon. Like, where's this going to go? And what are we doing with a disseminating moon in Capricorn? Well, I'll be frank. I read through, and as I have before, you know, I've refamiliarized myself with the, uh, with what Raven Caldera has to say in Moon Phase Astrology, which is where we get a lot of our information about the the basics of the of the lunar phases and the different signs. And I kind of agree with it, and I kind of don't. <laughs> um, what Raven is saying that we need to be doing on this moon is taking a look at. What are we willing to do to keep our people fed, sheltered, safe? And okay, but part of why I'm like, eh, I don't know if I want to deal with that is because one, we've been in that conversation for multiple years now with the nodes moving through Taurus and Scorpio. Um, We've been, we've been in the midst of that conversation for a long time now. And, you know, so maybe this is an opportunity to come to some sort of, well, what are the results of my two and a half year conversation around this topic? Um, with Venus having just stepped into cancer, that can really push an energy of protectiveness of, um, home is where the heart is, you know, charity starts at home. Um, nationalism can spike a little bit because cancer is connected to a lot of that stuff. Cancer is connected to nationalism and patriotism. That idea of like, this is my clan, quote unquote, and I'm going to hug up on these people, or this is my collective or the, it's not really collective. That's more of an Aquarius word. Um, it's like, this is my family. This is my tribe. Um, and I'm using that word uh, very delicately. I generally don't use it unless I'm speaking about indigenous people. But I'm saying that kind of mindset can come in when we have planets transit through cancer. So I don't know if I want to encourage you to do that kind of work. <laughs> you know, buyer beware, right? Uh, your mileage may vary. Uh, you have free will. Those are all the things that I always say when this kind of stuff comes up. That's like, I, yes, maybe do it. Maybe don't. Does that feel like a thing you want to engage? <laughs> I'm going to drink some water. 
And I hope that you did too. Um, this is trying the North node, which might add an energy that feels very fated. Like, like it has to be this way. I was destined for this. When we say a phrase like I was destined for this next to a word like patriotism or nationalism, that gets real ooky real fast, doesn't it? Right? Like, oh, I don't want to encourage that. <laughs> um, when we have Venus in Cancer and it's opposing Venus in Cancer, right? Again, there's this like, this is mine and that's yours. And this is my side of the fence and that's your side of the fence. And and the, even that thing is a very Capricornian thing, right? Of like dealing with fences and mending the border and and maintaining the container and maintaining the structures that divide that from this and us from them. So, you know, this this whole week, uh, this whole month, let me actually just be very frank. This whole month, the astrology is like, can we please just have five minutes? And the astrology is like, mm, four, you can have four minutes, but that's all. So this might be stuff that plays out in the world. This might be stuff that plays out in your personal life. Um, my, my big piece of advice for all of it is Allow yourself to have your feelings. You don't have to act on them, but this is a very emotional month and emotionally activating month of astrology. And so it might be really smart for you to just allow yourself to feel what you need to feel for a minute and then speak or act or do whatever it is you're going to do. Um, not moving from your emotions necessarily, right? Because that can get real tricky really quick. We can justify some really gnarly stuff to ourselves. Like, but I felt blah, blah, blah. Well, super great. But but I need you to act blah, blah, blah. Okay. <laughs> um, but not allowing ourselves to be honest with ourselves about what we're feeling may generate more gnarly energy for crappier short-sighted actions in the in the short term and the long term instead saying to myself this is going to get really uncomfortable for a minute but i need to feel what i feel so that i can be clear with myself on what i'm feeling about this matter and then once i'm clear with myself about what i'm feeling then i can pick my actions and i can choose how i'm going to respond to this um that stuff. That's what's up with this. So that's what I want to say to this. It might trigger some protective stuff for you. It might trigger some territorial stuff for you. Get curious about that. Um, sit with yourself. Allow the feelings to come up and say what they need to say, knowing that you don't have to act on any of it. Um, but understanding that if you don't allow those things to come to the surface and be honest with yourself about what you're feeling. Those act, those things may rule from the subterranean depths. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> okay. When we are working with a disseminating moon in Capricorn, for our lunar body, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, or otherwise restoring our bones our hair, our nails, our teeth. So yes, this is one of the multiple times in a month where the mani-pedi is a holy act, 100%, um, going and getting the hot oil treatment. Does anybody even do that anymore? That is, I'm old. 
So, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but whatever it is, right? Like, go and get the calcium deposits uh, refilled on your teeth, whatever it is. Holy acts at this time. Um, and for our plant body work, we want to be maintaining or breaking down old containers, borders, fences, uh, gardening beds, gardening structures or plant structures, all of that kind of stuff. Capricorn is like either we maintain this thing or we're tearing it apart and like mulching it and composting it and recycling it into whatever the next project is going to be. And then other things that we can do with our disseminating moon in Cancer, or excuse me, in Capricorn, uh, if it is appropriate to do so, harvest seeds and roots for replanting. We can fertilize. Great time for that. Uh, planting roots and tubers, planting biennials, perennials, bulbs, roots, trees, uh, particularly grapes, berries, potatoes, and shrubs. We can also pull weeds. Uh, we can cut trees or cut wood specifically for firewood or lumber. Do whatever kind of plowing. Uh, is appropriate, which is great because we have a holy day coming up here in just a second. Um, cultivating, pruning trees and vines, and doing our pest and disease control as the temperature continues to change and the humidity continues to change. Um, okay, so uh, that's all of our lunar work for Monday, May 8th. The astrology of this day, that's it. The moon enters Capricorn. That's all you got. There's a graphic for it. There you go. Um, and so let us move on to the holy days of May 8th. And now a brief word from our sponsor. That's me. Uh, if you love this podcast, you can support this work through Patreon. Thank you to all my patrons who help me pay rent every month. <laughs> you can leave a review on your podcast service, uh, wherever it is that you listen to this. And if you are feeling especially hedonistic, you can give it a rating, uh, you know, Five stars is actually the, the most occult rating that you could possibly give. Um, also, I have mentioned this for the last several weeks, but I swear to God, this is really happening. Um, I will be announcing some workshops and some standalone classes in the new year, uh, both on tarot as well as paganism and witchcraft. These classes will be limited entry. Uh, my patrons will have first access to sign up and then folks following the newsletter, and then I will announce them publicly on social media and my website. Um, I will be rerunning the six-week Welcome to Tarot workshop. It was super fun. I'm very excited to teach it again. It is um, a dope workshop, if I do say so myself. Uh, and then I will be following up that workshop with four standalone single day workshops. I'm expecting them to be two hours a piece, probably maybe closer to three hours a piece. Um, and we will be talking about material that certainly is going to build off of what is in the workshop, but you won't have to take the workshop to be able to understand what's going on in the four standalone classes. And then I will also be offering some more in-depth stuff than what I already have offered in terms of witchcraft and paganism, but I don't want to say any more now. <laughs> All right, that's the end of the ad. Leave a rating, goddammit. Thanks. Okay. Uh, on May 8th to May 9th from our Jewish friends and ancestors slash our Kabbalistic friends and ancestors, we have the minor holiday of Lag Omar or Lag Omar. Uh, pronounced differently by different groups of people. Um, this is a day commemorating roughly 
the 33rd day of a calendar <laughs> count. It's one of those crazy timekeeping devices. Um, but it's also an important magical day for Kabbalists. Um, just putting this in the calendar because it's one of those things. It's like Kabbalistic magic doesn't often get its own holy days. <laughs> or it could, but yeah, whatever. Anyways, also on this day, from our Indonesian friends and ancestors, we have Royal Plowing Day. Well, how lovely, because we have the moon in Capricorn, where plowing is really specifically important and cool. Um, Royal Plowing Day kicks off on this day a couple days earlier and a couple days later in various countries throughout Indonesia, Thailand, Cambodia, uh, Vietnam. Everybody's getting in on the action. Um, and uh, this is literally exactly what it sounds like. It is a royal uh, decree day. Uh, to begin plowing for the rice planting season um, that's going to grow through um, summer and into the monsoon season and all of that good stuff. But this is the day that all of that stuff kicks off. Cool. Okay. From our Danish friends and ancestors, we have Stork Day. Now, what is very interesting, um, and patrons who click the link for Stork Day will be able to read more about this. Very interesting. Where I have this marked in the calendar, um, moves slightly end of April, beginning of May are the traditional time periods for stork day in Denmark. However, every year that I go to look this up, there is a news article about the first stork that has appeared in Denmark. And that's what stork day marks is the first day that a stork migrates back to Denmark and it opens spring. It welcomes in the spring season. Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, that date keeps moving earlier and earlier in the year. And now the sighting, the first sighting of the stork of the year no longer heralds spring because they show up so deep in winter. They show up so early, sometimes late January, anywhere in February, sometimes um, as late as March now. Um, and I've only been teaching these classes eight years, and it's moved back that much. Um, and now the first sighting of the stork is sort of this herald of climate change <laughs> for, for folks in Denmark and the surrounding areas. Um, pretty interesting stuff. I don't know. That's, that's kind of a, a trippy, like in real time, evolution of one of these cultural practices or seeing like this is a response to the environment. Cool. Oh, wait, the environment is changing rather quickly. Huh? Okay. That doesn't line up with our tradition anymore at all. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's that. Good luck to our Danish friends and ancestors <laughs> and the rest of us, I suppose. Right. Um, also on this day, we have, um, a feast of the Archangel Michael or Marheel from our Roman Catholic friends and ancestors. This is actually a feast of a temple um, dedicated to Archangel Michael. Most of Michael's um, feast days are in September or November. Um, but I think it's interesting that we have a temple randomly dedicated to the Archangel Michael right here a day after or two days after the saint george stuff because michael is also a character or an archetypal entity that we see wanging his way through the universe with a giant sword spearing dragons and other various uh symbols of you know quote-unquote evil or 
uh, chaos. Um, so we have another character sort of being heralded at this time of year that's doing that same thing. And from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Zenziarius. And there is literally no information about what this is for other than probably it was affiliated to Zeus. That's it. That's literally all the information that we have. Okay. What's interesting about that is on the very next day, Tuesday, May 9th, we have a holy holy day called Olympiae from our Greek friends and ancestors that's dedicated to a very particular form of uh, a victorious Zeus. I guess it's a Jove, right? <laughs> Zeus, uh, Jupiter. Oh yeah, they're all the same characters. Right, right, right. Same, 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 same. All the same. I guess when I was saying Roman, I should have said Jupiter and not Zeus. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Okay. Rolling it back just a little bit. Tuesday, May 9th. The astrology that we have for this day is we have the sun in Taurus conjunct Uranus at 18, almost 19 degrees of Taurus. And this conjunction honestly has so many different types of energy potentials within it. I don't want you to get confused and I don't want you to feel overwhelmed. Just know that it's Uranus. It can pop out in like a billion different forms. And again, maybe this will hit for you on a personal level. Maybe this is just something that you witness in the world. But Sun conjunct Uranus in general is spicy. It's electric. It is agitated. It's excited. It's like, let's fucking go. And like, yeah, let's zap it. Let's do it. Let's be shocking. Let's hang a hard left. Let's rah, you know, let's go. And when we are having a hard time with that, um, it's often because that energy is asking us to step out of our rut. It's asking us or demanding that we step out of our routine. And sometimes that's a great thing for us. And sometimes that's a really uh, distracting thing for us, right? Routines happen because... Well, they happen for a variety of reasons. Let's not get into that. But we have routines, right? Sometimes to our detriment and sometimes to our benefit, we have routines in our life. And anytime we're having a, 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 a mega transit with Uranus, Uranus is like, get that shit out of here. I don't need a plan. Bruh. You know? <laughs> and, and so the parts of us that really like routine, the parts of us that like things to be in control, planned, scheduled, predictable are like bah! anytime we have to deal with that uranus energy and the parts of us that are like wanting exciting things wanting something new that enjoy spontaneity the parts of us that don't want to follow the plan the parts of us that want to be rebellious that want to be surprising are like hooray when uranus energy can come around um, and so we can literally go through multiple moods in a day when we're dealing with a Uranus transit because, you know, part of us is like, no, my plan. And the rest of us are like, hooray, the plan is dead. So it really can go back and forth. So if you are having a hard time with this transit, it might manifest in that you're feeling super restless. You're feeling super impatient. You might be feeling really thin skinned. Um, and... Um, 
you know, you might be feeling very activated. Uranus connects us to our nervous system. And I don't want to do medical astrology here, but you know, just maybe it's a day where we need to do some extra deep breathing, where we need to do things that are going to mellow and soothe the, the electrical system in our body. Um, if we're having a hard time with it, if we are excited or delighted by this spontaneous, oh my gosh, I never saw that coming event or energy or moment, then we might be feeling like this is a great time for a breakthrough. This might be the best day to bring a creative approach to a project that has felt stuck. Um, this might be a really fantastic day if we wanted to change up our routine to try a new routine and see how it feels. Um, see how that works. See how we can work with the energy, you know, or kind of wait for it to roll over our heads and move on. It's a sun transit. The sun is making this transit. So it's going to be in effect for like 36 hours. It's not going to hang out forever. We're not going to have to deal with it forever. Um, it's not a super great day for like saying the important thing or signing a contract. Don't forget the Mercury is still in retrograde in the background and, some astrologers would describe Uranus as the higher octave of Mercury. And so this is almost like a Mercury conjunct Sun instead of a Uranus conjunct Sun or Sun conjunct Mercury versus Sun conjunct Uranus. So not a super great day for that. Um, but there's some days coming where it is a good time to say the thing. We don't even have to wait for the retrograde to be done with. Um, Watch out for snafus in the tech field. Watch out for snafus in the in your travels. So this might be a day where um, you go to drive your predicted route to work and oh my God, a whole third of it is chopped up for construction, right? Or whatever. Leave ten, give yourself 10 minutes extra in the morning for unexpected events. Um, that sort of thing. So if you're having a hard time with it, it might be like, oh my God, I don't want this disruption. It'll pass. If you're like, hell yeah, bring on the unexpected, then this is a short transit of like, this is a day for spontaneity. Let's go. So just work with it in the way that makes sense for you, of course. Um, anything else to say about this day? Astrologically? No, that's it. That's all I've got. Uh, for our holy days, we have the birth of Buddha for our friends and ancestors in China, which I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, from our Greek friends and ancestors, we have the festival of Olympiae, which is dedicated to, for the Greeks, Zeus, day before the Romans, Jupiter. Okay. Moving on to Wednesday, May 10th. Um, the only astrology that we have, well, we have two things. One, the moon enters Aquarius late in the day. Uh, and then we have Venus in Cancer sextile, the North node in Taurus at three degrees. So this is a quickie transit and it's a mellow transit. It's just a sextile. I think if anything, this might mellow some of the uh it's staticky electric energy from the day before with um the sun in uranus conjunction in taurus but north node as i mentioned i don't know how much <laughs> as as i have mentioned um can lend a faded or a destined quality to things where suddenly we're starting to think oh this thing happened it's for me I'm destined for it. 
Um, this was supposed to happen. Um, I'm meant for this, or it is meant for me. And when that vocabulary enters our thinking, my encouragement always is just like, um, be curious with yourself around why do I feel that way? What what about this is is um, creating that space where I'm feeling like this is destined? Like, what do I mean by the word destined? Um, and why do I think this thing is destined for me? Why do I think this thing is destined for me? Why do I think this thing is destined for me? All of that stuff, very appropriate. Um, but generally, Venus sextile the North Node can bring us into contact with people that where we have like faded conversations and faded um, connections, like faded social connections. Like, oh, I finally met the person that publishes blah, blah, blah. I finally met the person who is the manager for the venue that I want to get my band into, you know, whatever it is. Um, it can have that kind of a quality as well. And because it's a sextile, it's like, Hey, here's an opportunity. And if you choose to work on it, if you choose to like it, engage this activity or this opportunity, it may pay out for you. Um, so there's that. All right. That's it for the astrology for May 10th. Uh, and we have somehow no holy days for May 10th. It does happen a couple times a year. <laughs> my math might be wrong. It's always a possibility, but by my calculations, we have, no gods, goddesses, ancestors, uh, genus Loki, uh, daemons uh, of any sort to be appeased on this day. So <laughs> pants off, dance off, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Take advantage. <laughs> no one's looking. <laughs> All right. And that brings us to thursday may 11th we have no astrology of note for thursday may 11th so moving on directly to the holy days of may 11th um from may 11th through the 17th we have from our shinto friends and ancestors kandamatsuri uh kandamatsuri is a um a pretty big festival but um ultimately it is uh sorry i'm trying to find my information here we go um it is a huge festival and it goes back and forth with another festival called Sano Matsuri. Um, and there's another uh, uh, Fukugawa, uh, Fukagawa Matsuri also connected, but um, Kanda Matsuri and Sano Matsuri kind of go back and forth. One is on the even years and one is on the odd years. And it's a giant procession. It's like a week-long festival. Takes over whole neighborhoods where it's celebrated. But it ultimately, um, uh, ultimately, it is commemorating um, a war that happened and a feudal lord that was eventually deified, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, in modern era, this is a celebration for the wealth and good fortune of the people. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? We can we can all use a little bit more of that. Uh, running from May 11th to May 15th, we have our Ice Saint festivals uh, in Europe. And these are um, festivals that are held, again, from approximately May 11th to May 15th for the Saints Mamertus, uh, St. Boniface, St. Pancras, St. Servetius. And uh, they are all their feast days are all collected together. Um, and uh, they are so named because, and I'm getting this from the Wikipedia page, their feast days fall on the days of May 11th, May 12th, May 13th, respectively, known as 
the Blackthorn Winter in Austria, Belgium, Croatia, uh, Czech Republic, um, the Netherlands, uh, France, Germany, Hungary, etc., etc., Northern Italy, Poland, um, and uh, ultimately, this is sort of one of those what we call here in uh, in Seattle second winter. <laughs> it basically is this this recommendation or this recognition of um, the coldness that can still come in even in the heart of winter, or excuse me, even in the heart of spring. We see a lot of these festivals in the last days of April and the first days of May. And it's interesting because technically we've already had spring equinox, right? That's way back in March. That's Aries season. We've already had that moment. And yet um, the entities that represent the forces of winter are still being recognized here halfway through May. And that is this idea of, you know, you can't just kick these guys out. Um, there's St. Sophia, nicknamed Cold Sophie, uh, from Germany. Um, and the in Poland, the trio of St. Pancras, St. Servetus, and St. Boniface are collectively known as, I'm going to murder this, I apologize, my Polish friends, um, Zimni Ogrodnicy, uh, which means cold gardeners, and followed by Zima Zoska, which is cold Sophia, on the feast day of St. Sophia, which is on May 15th. Um, they are collectively in Czech, referred to as Ladovi Mutsi, which are the ice men or icy men. Um, and Sophie, so Saint Sophia is known as Zofi Ledovazina, which is Sophie the Ice Woman. Um, and again, this is sort of this acknowledgement of these death deities, crone deities, even though they are saints, right? We wouldn't immediately go to those descriptor words for these entities, but we know the energies that they are probably connected to. Um, and this is again one of those moments of making sure that we have appeased these energies. Now, what is interesting about this to me? We didn't talk about this too much because we've already passed over this, but, uh, well, to an extent we've passed over this. The 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th days of the lunar month are the days leading up to and on the full moon. So they would be right in the middle of the lunar month of May, quote unquote. In Roman practice, there is this big stretch of time through the middle of May where you don't do any festivals, you don't do any farming. Uh, and it's crazy because, you know, the, the farming season has certainly kicked off by this point, right? But there is this stretch of a few days where everything stops and everything is focused on appeasing the dead, appeasing the vengeful dead, appeasing dead ancestors, appeasing the dead heroes and heroines of the city state that you live in, appeasing the dead ancestors who founded the city. It's just this like ancestors, ancestors, death, death, death. And 
it's wild because it comes right on the tail of Floralia, which is this multi-week Bacchanalian festival from the Romans that's just like, let's get butt naked and, you know, <laughs> walk right there in the streets for flowers, guys, for flowers. Um, it's very randy. It's very zesty. It's very, <laughs> it's very sexy. And it's very life-affirming. And then right on the heels of that, all right, that's enough of that. Everybody... Do what you have to do to appease the wandering dead, to appease the angry dead, and to send them back down, specifically back down into the underworlds. Uh, I recently took a class on, um, you know, springtime symbolism and ritual from our Norse friends and ancestors. And wouldn't you know it, weirdly enough, right through the stretch of May, there is a blank spot in their calendar as well, where there's no festivals, there's no feast nights, there's no fancy magic going nothing there's nothing there coincidence maybe 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 not so we see from a few different cultures this very interesting point here in the middle of may slash the middle of the lunar may month um of this like everything come to a halt we need to appease the dead we need to appease the ancestors we need to like deal with those energies from the dark side, the underside, the cold side, the shadow realms, the the other half of the year that we are escaping and no longer in that stuff. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. Also on this day from our Roman friends and ancestors, we have the Aganalia for Vediovis. This is another holiday that we, one, don't have any information about, and two, we know that it is connected to some interpretation of Jupiter slash Zeus, Jove, that guy, that stuff. Now, what's interesting is the epithet Vediovis is connected to Jove, aka Jupiter, no sweat. But some researchers are very curious about the V-E at the beginning of the name. The, the name is spelled V-E-D-I-O-V-I-S, Vediovis. Um, but the V-E at the beginning is a, is a word piece uh that's seen in latin to mean anti or non or or not and so this could also be for a festival for anti-jove or not jupiter or or un-jupiter and that would sit very plainly and comfortably with the rest of this imagery of this moment in the middle of all this life where we have this moment of like, let's deal with the ice saints and let's deal with the vengeful dead, the, um, the restless dead, et cetera, et cetera. So interesting stuff, right? Especially in the face of good old St. George that we talked about back at the beginning of the podcast as the, the insistence of life force and fecundity and fertility overcoming the forces of chaos and death. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Our last uh, holy day for this week comes from our Guatemalan friends and ancestors. And this is the um, festival of La Perdida por la Lulvia. Uh, and this is a procession that takes place around this time of year when uh, farmers and shamans and other medicine people from far and wide pray for rain inside the crater lake on Volcano, Volcano Chicobal. Um, and uh, it's a beautiful ceremony. I've only seen photos of it, to be clear. 
Um, but these beautiful flower structures are left on the banks of this lake and people bless themselves. They go and pray. They leave offerings. They go and have meals there. They sleep there. They hang out by the water for a while. And it's all as a means of um, praying for rain and sort of welcoming in the rainy season um, so that they can grow the stuff that they need to grow. You know how it go. You know how it do. Okay. Very, very quickly, I'm going to go back over our astro, etc. Then I'm going to get into the last little bit of our stuff here. Friday, May 5th, 1034 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we have a full uh, blood flower lunar eclipse moon at 14 degrees slash 15 degrees of Scorpio. Um, the next day, Saturday the 6th, uh, the sun, excuse me, the moon moves into Sagittarius. Sunday, May 7th, Venus moves into Cancer. On May 8th, the moon moves into Capricorn. We also have our disseminating moon in Capricorn at 10, 12 p.m., approximately 3 degrees, 10, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 degrees of Capricorn. On Tuesday, May 9th, we have the sun conjunct Uranus and Taurus at 18 degrees. And on uh, Wednesday the 10th, we have the moon move into Aquarius. We have uh, the Venus in Cancer sextile the North Node in Taurus at 3 degrees. And Thursday the 11th, we got nothing. There's nothing to report for Thursday the 11th. So that's our astrology for the week. Those are our holy days for the week. And last but not least, um, our tarot and our witchcraft and our journal entries for the week. So this week I am recommending hanging out with the Six of Pentacles. Why? Because um, I think all of us kind of, you know, respectfully got our assholes blown open by... The <laughs> <laughs> the eclipse season. And I think this card is a really good encouragement to remind all of us that it is okay to ask for help, that it is okay to ask people to invest in us, um, to say, uh, Hey, I've had a hard time and I need some help. And also, uh, that asking for help is a sign of hope because why would I ask for help otherwise, right? Like, I clearly think I have a future and I'd like it to be better than my present. So I'm asking for some help around that. Um, the Six of Pentacles is a pretty interesting card. I have uh, a big piece up on my website about it. Go check it out. Um, but in general, I think this is a card that's really here to say, hey, don't forget you can ask for help. Don't forget you can ask people to invest in you. Um, and... Um, and you know, um, where are my boundaries? Where are my barriers around asking for help? How does that feel when I think about asking people to invest in me? Does that make me feel weird? What's that? What's that about? What's up with that? Because I certainly deserve it. So that stuff. Okay. Witchcraft for the week. Same as the new moon. None. I do not recommend doing any kind of witchcraft this week or spellcrafting. Slash, you have free will, so you you listen to your instinct first. But my general, my blanket stance, my general recommendation is these are not super fun uh, eclipses to be doing magic with. So that okay. And our journal prompts for this week: How do I handle big emotions? That's coming up for us, and it's going to come up for us all month long. Um, how do I handle intense emotions? 
And that can be all of them, right? The, the comfortable, the happy, the sad, the good, the bad, the great, the terrible, blah, blah, blah. How do I handle big emotions? What needs nurturing? Um, we have Venus moving into Cancer, but also we are in the midst of Beltane season. So what stuff, uh, what stuff needs nurturing? And with that um, Sun-Uranus conjunction, what part of my routine needs to be shaken up? Now, I might not like that. I might not want it, right? But is there a part of my routine that maybe needs some adjustment, that needs some refreshing? Is there a part of my routine that is calcified and keeping me stuck in some way, even if it's comfortable? Maybe that needs to be jostled a bit. Um, and the more you can think about that, the more comfortable potentially you can get with it potentially happening. Um, so that's it. That's our stuff for the week. Um, Six of Pentacles. Um, no witchcraft for this week. We'll get back to it next week and our journaling prompts and our astrology and our holy days and all of it. Um, I hope you all are doing okay. I hope you're doing good. Um, if you want and you haven't yet, go check out the Beltane class. It is available here wherever you listen to podcasts. It's also available on my YouTube channel. Um, and for the first time in a long time, I made the workbooks available for purchase separately. There is a link in the description of the class on YouTube, and there's a link in the description of the class on my website. You can buy the workbook for just this Sabbath, and I think I might do it going forward. We'll see. Um, that's it. Love you. Blessed be. Drink some water. You got this.